Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Boy, he comes back on fire. Watch out, huh? Uh, so I entitled this sermon, uh, Now What? And the uh, first, first time I used it, it actually worked because you're supposed to have a little sense of aggravation behind it and now what uh, kind of thing. And that's the way I wanted to title it because that's, that's the question I've been asking a lot lately. Um, but I want to thank the church and the pastors and the elders uh, for the opportunity to speak to you today. I feel so blessed and so privileged. If you don't know it, I just had my 80th birthday, and I don't know who them people are talking about. I just they said something about being 80, and um, a friend of mine uh, died, passed away this week from, he was ill for a long time, Parkinson's disease. Marvin Windler, and uh, he was on the railroad whenever I went to the railroad in 1962, May of 1962, and uh, just want to say again, it just reminds me of how blessed I am. There are many other things that, that I just feel so blessed to be alive, number one, uh, to even think about standing up here in front of you makes me remember Paul's encouragement is work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. And so uh, I, I come uh, thankful, but uh, w- with hopefully uh, uh, a message to you. Uh, what I've been dealing with is what is God up to? Yeah. And more specifically, what is it that he, that he wants to do in our lives? And why is it that he wants to be so intimately involved in our lives? And that's the question I've been uh, wrestling with, because God has everything. I mean, if, if you're God, whatever you think about, you, you have. And, and so what, what is it? What now? You know, now what? I, I just, so I asked that question uh, to the text. And I'm reminded uh, very often that Jesus, when he talked to someone or had interaction with them, when he left, he gave them something, something to do, like, oh, go and sin no more, was one of the things he said. That's a pretty good job to have, you know. I mean, a big job, tough job to, to go and sin. And others, he said, uh, take up your mat and walk. They gave him a job. As he, as he, okay. Uh, One, he said, uh, go tell all the good the Lord has done for you. In one place he said that. So, I mean, there's these times after times in which uh, Jesus had this encounter 
and it left him with a job. You all know the story of the prodigal son. Nobody talks about the love of God and the acceptance of God better than our pastors do. Amen? Yeah. And I've heard a lot of preaching. Not all the good, but I've heard a lot of preaching. I love preachers. So this woman goes in to get her husband up to go to church. And she wakes him up and says, it's time to get up and go to church. And he says he don't want to go to church, and he pulls covers up over his head and rolls over. Well, she waits a few minutes, and she comes back and she says, it's time for you to get up and go to church. He says, I don't want to go to church. She says, you have to. You're the pastor. <laughs> I actually love telling preacher jokes. They're, they're, to me, they're, 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 they're quite funny. In Genesis, the second generation on the planet, Cain is given a directive from God. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not what it, do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You must master it. So he's, he's, given, he's given a job. And even through the, through the text, the, the Bible itself, it, it seems progressively... Uh, that is right after the original creation kind of went sour and fell, fell, fell apart. It, it seemed like after that, uh, God is wanting to figure out a way to be with human beings. And then you, you, you have him then calling, and by the way, we'll, we'll look at that a little later. You, you, he, he calls Abraham so that he can be closer then they develop the tabernacle where God can deal, uh, live in a tent with, with his people. And then later, the, the temple. But it, and then, of course, in Jesus Christ, uh, we become temples of the Holy Spirit. But, but the point is, it seems like God is progressively wanting to have a more intimate and relationship with humans. And, and that, that puzzles me a little bit. So let's go to the text uh, that I chose, uh, Romans 12, 1 and, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, it seems to me that this text, uh, as difficult as it, as it is, it seems like it breaks down into three points. I know that's a preacher's eyes, and we see points where there is no point, but <laughs> I think it gives three major points on what you are to do what I'm to do. And number one is to present your body a living sacrifice. We'll talk about that. 
And then the, the, the second one is don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. And the third one, uh, maybe the most exciting one, is to be transformed. Go through a metamorphosis by the renewing of your mind. And so it's the three simple points. So let's take a, take a look at it. The word therefore is a word that Paul uses to kind of sum things up, you know, of, of what he said prior. Okay. And prior to this, he told them how to be saved. Chapter 3 and verse 22, he tells them how to be saved. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between the Jew or Gentile. So you're only asked to believe. You're not asked to move or do anything else. You're just asked to believe. So what do you believe? You believe that Jesus died for you. He was buried and rose again the third day. So you're just asked to believe. You're not asked to do anything about it or anything. He accomplished that on your behalf. Amen? Okay. So uh, Paul said, Therefore, therefore, okay, chapter 5 and verse 1, he uses the therefore again. There it is again. Therefore, we have peace with God. Now, some people have not got the message. I, I remember that. What was the name of that show on TV where they got lost and they were stranded on an island? Somebody, Gilligan's Island, I'm showing my age now. Nobody knows what Gilligan's Island is. Every once in a while, on Gilligan's Island, they would bump into this Japanese guy. And he had you know, okay, the Japanese guy, he had the big glasses. You couldn't get away with that today. And he hadn't got the message. He was still at war. But that's the point. There are people who haven't got the message yet. Right. And what, what is it? We have, present tense, peace with God, okay? So we come to that. That's chapter 5. Then chapter 8, you're going to love this one. There's, therefore, therefore again, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Everybody says... Amen to that. Nobody's going to sneak in the back door and say, I know him when he was. No. It's out. Foreboding. You can't do that. Why? Because God says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, therefore. <clears throat> so we go to chapter 12 is, therefore, present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see the movement in, in Romans? You got, yeah, okay. It, it, okay. You keep, I even catch on to this stuff after a while. <laughs> There's a movement. There's a movement. Okay. And what kind of sacrifice is this? Well, that's a strange thing. Sacrifices are dead ones. That's a strange thing. Well, let's just go to John. Let's go to John. Thomas is, a, you know, the doubting Thomas. Uh, he was worried about Jesus uh, getting killed, okay? 11th chapter, 
He was worried about Jesus getting killed. Jesus is going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. Okay, that's, that's what he's going to do. We know the end of the story. We read the end of the story. He raises Lazarus from the dead. Okay, that's where he's going. Uh, Thomas is worried about Jesus, so he goes to the disciples and he tells, then Thomas said, or he, uh, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. That's a, not such a hot invitation, but it, he, he, he looks brave. But he looks, he looks brave. Okay. The thing of it is, Jesus is not going to die over there. Jesus is taking life. Yeah. It's just the exact opposite of what he's just, I And, you know, there are preachers. Again, I love preachers. But, every, you know, they ask a lot, you know, what happens if you die tonight? Where will you go? I guess that's a good question. I, it's never been my problem. Okay, it might become my problem, but it's never been my problem at this point. Here, yeah. See, Jesus wants you to go live for him. It's, it's a, the exact opposite of very often what we have in mind. And, and that is, and I love that passage in Ezekiel, it's in 35 or 38, somewhere around there, where you have this valley of dry bones. It's kind of creepy in ways, you know. I mean, they start to rattle. The bones start to rattle. And they come together. And what is the prophet to tell the bones? Thank you. Live. You live. You live. You live. You live. That's what you do. You live. That's what... Okay, this is a living sacrifice. Now, it's holy and it's acceptable, but that, that's another. We, we'll probably come back to that. Uh, but but you, you are to live. You, you're to be like uh, Isaiah in, in chapter 6 uh, where uh, he says, here am I, send me. He comes in contact with God and he says, here am I, send me. And, and that's, that's what it's looking for here, is for you to present yourself to God, this living sacrifice, not a dead one, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. I always view this like inspection in the army. You've got your bed made. You've tidied up around your bed. That's the area in which you're responsible for. You've got your shoes shined and your shoes tied and your good pressed uniform on, and you're ready for inspection. You showed up on time, and you're ready for inspection. And I think that's what Paul's asking you to do. Matter of fact, Paul is on his knees asking you to do it. He's begging you. King James has, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And uh, we don't use that word very much anymore, the word beseech. But, but Paul's urging and asking and begging you, now, since all this has taken place, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It is the right thing to do.
Now, uh, let's go to point number two, and that is don't be conformed to this world. The, the, the word for world here is age. It's not cosmos. It's aeon or whatever. I can't ever pronounce those words, but the, it's not the word that we think of for the cosmos or for the earth. Or it's, it, it is more of an age or a period of time. Now, I was born a long time ago. <laughs> I can't help but do that stuff. And, I, you know, you get lost in this after a while. But, okay, I'm born a long time ago. I was born in a different age, different time. Now, my folks were, both of them, born on dirt floors. If you don't know what that means, I'll explain it to you later. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about them. Matter of fact, that's a good, you know, they came a long ways. But that was the world I was born in. And the world I was born into, folks got together, okay, and they sat around the kitchen table, and they drank coffee, smoked cigarettes, and cuss. <laughs> that was my world. Not nothing bad. I, oh, you know, I'll very often, Pastor, when you m mention alcohol, yeah, I very often think, thank God, alcohol was never a major part of that. It's a compliment to my parents. But, yeah, they were never, never uh, part of that. I don't know. They just didn't do that. That's not, But they sat around the kitchen table. And, of course, then here I am, this mindless little guy running around here. What do I want to do when I grow up? I want to drink coffee. Smoke cigarettes and cuss. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> and so I heard about this, present your bodies a living sacrifice, and, and I'm wondering, what can I do? Again, going back to the problem, what now? You know, what, can, what can I do? So with the limited resources of mental ability, <laughs> I... I thought, well, I, I could quit smoking. That'd go against the culture that I'm in. And by the way, uh, where's Jerry? Jerry's gone? Oh, there he is. Okay, Jerry, I did look this up in a redneck book. <laughs> and chewing tobacco uh, is also under smoking. <laughs> now, he does, now, I'm not saying because he chews tobacco, but, but his dad did. And, and, You know, this, that's, no, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm on the back of the train, and we're, we're uh, spotting coal cars in the River King Mine Number 1 up by Freeburg, Illinois, up by Freeburg, Illinois. And so we're spotting cars up there, and I'm on the end of this train, and I'm, I'm going to quit smoking. So I figure after this carton... I got it home. <laughs> you all see this coming. You all see this coming, don't you? <laughs> but not, again, I've got limited resources, okay, here to deal with. So, okay. so I'm thinking, so I quit. And, and then it dawned on me, how do you quit smoking? By not smoking. <laughs> I got it. So I, 
threw the cigarette away and the pack away and have never had one since. Oh, when was that? It was in the mid-60s. Well, I started smoking real young, but that's, a, that's another story, Wendy, altogether, okay? That's another story altogether. Don't be conformed to this age, this time. God has a more of an overview. So the next thing I thought I would do, which I knew was good and thing for me to do was quit spending so much time in a tavern. Now, God's teaching me other things. Hopefully, I won't forget. Uh, but uh, don't spend, and it wasn't necessarily really evil or anything, just you spend time with your coworkers at the tavern. Okay. It was then when I decided that, uh, it was then uh, it dawned on me exactly what real strength was. Let me explain. Because then the, the strong man held the steering wheel straight when it went by the tavern. Because <laughs> it always wanted to go in there. Whoa! And that's when I started to discover what is real strength. And it's the help of God to do the things you yes. know you need to do. And I learned that if I stopped smoking, that, that God would help you. And so it opens up, it just opens up a whole new world when you start realizing that in your life. That you now are not conforming to this age. Then... I'm figuring out as I go, because preachers, that's why I love preachers. I learn so much. And by the way, they're terribly creative. And they, they don't very often get credit, uh, but they're terribly creative. Uh, did anybody here see that play, Your Arms Are Too Short to Box with God? Did you, anybody, maybe nobody heard of it, never heard of it? You did hear of it. Okay. I'm sure a preacher started that. He may not have written it, okay, but he started that. He looked at the text where uh, God has bared his holy arm. I think that's in Isaiah. Well, he, he wrote a sermon on that. It says, God has rolled up his sleeve to deliver the knockout punch. <laughs> they're, they're terribly creative. Oh, okay, where am I going with that? I'm not sure. I, I got it, okay. You, you can't allow circumstances. You can't allow circumstances, as difficult as they are, to shape your life and to shape who you are. For instance, I've, I've watched guys, I guess because I'm a guy, I have special feeling for them, uh, go through divorce. And it's not pretty. It's terrible. But you can't allow that to shape your life. It's a circumstance, a bad one, sure. Death of a person in your family, too, can sometimes throw you. 
throw you off. But you can't let that shape your life. It's a bad thing to happen. But you, you just can't, you can't allow your culture and you can't allow circumstances to shape your life. Paul Simon says, get yourself free. Get on the bus, Gus. <laughs> Don't need to discuss much. Drop off the Keeley and get yourself free. Like Morpheus said to Neo. I'm sorry, again, I'm dating myself. I know that. He said, free your mind. Free your mind. And realize that it's not the circumstances that can define you. You ever hear about Don Imus? Somebody has, okay. Yeah, again, it, it's been, he, he's been gone a long time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he built a working ranch near the Four Corners. And that ranch was built for kids with cancer. And they would come to the ranch. The first lesson he would teach them on the ranch is you cannot let your disease determine who you are. Here it's how well you rope, it's how well you ride, and it's how well you do your job. And, of course, it changes everything. But the point is, you can't allow these circumstances of culture uh, uh, to uh, shape your life. Your past, your culture, or your circumstances should not be allowed to mold you. They are there. They happen. You must deal with them to be sure. But you can't allow them to shape your life. Obviously, we want God to shape our life. Third and last thing is to be transformed. And how are you transformed? Renewing your mind. You learn to think differently. You change how you think and what you think, and your life will automatically be transformed, period. It is how you think. Um, content in your own thoughts. Let's go to Philippians now. We got that. And this, uh, this can get tedious and boring, I, I know, so we'll try to keep it from being that way. But, but Paul lists eight things. And uh, y'all know what a sieve is where you... Sift flour. Okay. I, I call that, this is the sieve to test your thoughts. And if they make it through this, then you, it's, it's an okay thought to have. You know. Here's the thing. Thoughts come into your mind. They go, amen? I mean, but you don't have to entertain them while they're there. And for sure, if they're negative, don't give them any power. They can't live without you. I mean, you know, your thoughts can't, oh, okay, yeah, they can't mess without you. <laughs> Whatever is true, 
If it's true here, it's true over there. And if your truth is not here and over there, you haven't dug deep enough here to find out what the truth is. Okay? So work, true. Noble. We all know what noble is. There's this part of life, not so noble. A lot of times we Christians don't want to admit to that. You know, it's down here. Underbelly's ugly. <laughs> but then there's a part of life that is noble. And you see nobility. I would love to, I better not be quoting Steinbeck here, okay, but Yeah, and you want to focus in on the nobility. Amen? What is right? You'd be surprised you know what is right. Just listen to your insides, and and they'll tell you what what is right. Pure. It's easy to mix your ideas and your purpose and to let a little varmint in with it. Oh, it's easy. I mean, you have something that's wonderful today, but tomorrow should not be. And so you want, so you want to make sure it's pure, okay, that you don't have things sneaking up on you in the wrong time. Lovely. I think that's a word we should, we should use more in our culture. So you, you look at a beautiful scenery and you say, oh, that's just Lovely. Or you see somebody do some act of love and good, and you say, what? That's just love. Yeah, you want to focus in on that lovely, admirable. What you admire in others is probably where you want to go. And so you want to pay attention to that, you know, if you you admire something, you know, uh, and uh, you don't want to think about it. The word excellent, now Paul doesn't use that word a lot although you think he would. But the reason he doesn't use it a lot because all the philosophers of his day use that word excellent as a, uh, you know, they talk about the excellent life and that. I usually have two words. If you ask me how I'm doing, I usually have two words. And first word is excellent. And the other word is fantastic. (laughs) So... So I, I go in to get a cup of coffee at the Moto station. This has been years ago now. And there behind the counter was this lady. I just barely hadn't met her. I think she was a cousin to Dan Lilly, my next-door neighbor, who was a great guy. And he and I was quite friends. And I think it was like his cousin or something like You know, it was really. So I go in there, and, uh, and she asked, it very nice. I said, how you doing? I said, fantastic. And then her face kind of changed, and she said, Oh, I wished I could say that. I looked at her and said, fantastic. <laughs> and she just she just busted out loud. And guess what? If you ask her today and you go in there, she'll tell you she's fantastic. <laughs> so how what how are you? Fantastic. <laughs> Or if it's praiseworthy. And this is really, this is great stuff. And Paul says, think about such things. You got it, yeah. Think about such things. If you think in these areas, 
your life will be transformed. It will be, it can't help it. God made it that way. It can't help but be uh, transformed. The, the, the content and the how you think is so important. Now, I'll go back to present your bodies a living sacrifice. We all talk about worship. We want to worship. Paul says the way you worship is do what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. And your body means the total of you. The total of you. Present your body a living sacrifice. He says, and the different translations will have it this way, he says, that's spiritual. That's what he said. That's spiritual. You want to be spiritual? Present your body a living sacrifice. Then he says, not only is it spiritual, it's reasonable, logical. And, of course, we went over the past part of Romans is where he says it's logical for you to follow this. But, uh, uh, and if you've never done it, you ought to do it. Somebody telling me after the first service that they don't want to wear the carpet out getting up here whenever the invitation's given. I said, boy, I'll never, never say anything bad about a person like that because when I was young, I wore that carpet out. You'd give, do you love your mama? I'm in. <laughs> You've seen that. I, I would do that. I would do that. Uh, my uh, nephew here, Larry, is the namesake of my brother. He's not, not with us any longer, but I remember going to church and him standing next to each other and say, oh, and, you know, your feet just get to moving, you know, you got, and you got to go. <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was me. Just be honest with you. So present your bodies a living sacrifice. If you've never done it, you should do it. Show up for duty. Uh, show up for duty. Uh, Joey, you come up here, and uh, if you if you need to present your body, of course, if you need to be saved, you need to cross that barrier first. Yeah, you need to cross that barrier, and then the second one. But if you've never done it, if you're if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian, you've never reported to duty. Report today uh, to duty, uh, and do that for yourself. Okay, and. Uh, Thank you again for the privilege of being able to speak to you, and uh, God bless you. Thank you, Barry. Sometimes I think I'd like to get inside your head and just see a little more of the story. Oh, it's it, scary. It might be a scary oh, place. It's scary. But it's good. But what a fantastic word. So there's kind of two levels of what he's talking about, and he mentioned at the end, if you have never taken the step to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. Because all this other stuff is not possible without him. Not all the self-help books, not all the effort we can put into it. But even if you've made a commitment to accept Jesus Christ first as your Savior to guarantee your eternity in heaven and as your Lord, how to live your life here on earth, now's the time. If you would like to Submit yourself to the Lord. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. When we dismiss, there'll be some leaders up front that would love to pray with you about those two specific things. Or if you have anything else going on in life that you just need somebody to agree 
with you about. Don't leave until you've had somebody pray with you. And again, there'll be some leaders up front. Not a lot of fanfare. Just come up and let someone join you in prayer. Church is not over until you've mingled, until you've chatted with some folks. Again, as we do so often, I encourage you to talk with someone who you've never met before or who you don't know real well. We can get in our holy huddles and talk to people we know well, but encourage somebody before you leave today. If you will, stand with me, and I'll dismiss this generally as a group, and then you can come up for prayer if you'd like. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your goodness. Father, thank you for your word that Barry has shared with us today that you just didn't tell us to go, but you told us to go with instructions on how to be the men and the women that you created us to be. Father, there's so many labels that can be put on us in this world. If somebody's homeless, we say they're a homeless person. Would you allow us to see it's a person that happens to be homeless at the time? And that's not their identity. If it's someone who, who drinks too much, would you help us to see them as a person who may drink too much and not as an alcoholic or a drunk? Our identity does not have to be in our actions. It can be in you, the one who created us, and in our Savior who went to the cross to die for us so that we would not have to carry these earthly labels. Father, this time of year, we're very busy. There's a lot of good celebrations going on. This is the month where we, we focus on the month that we recognize and celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, if there's anybody here, Father, that, that hasn't done that, Holy Spirit, would you draw them to you? In Jesus' name, amen.